Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hello, Kat. How are you? Pretty good. Good? I'm excited. I'm very excited. We have a special guest on today. Another special guest on today. I know. All the special guests. Yeah. So today we are joined by Mr. Teddy Baldassar, who you guys may know from his uh, pretty big YouTube channel. Uh, Teddy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you both. It's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. We, the honor uh, is most definitely ours. Yeah, it's ours. ours. <laughs> hey, it, it's, it's always fun to be able to talk about watches and other things. Yeah, Agreed. we appreciate you being on. Um, how, how are you doing? Not too bad. Staying busy. I'm here in uh, beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. As I, I feel like I, I rep Cleveland quite hard. You really uh, so I think, do. Oh, I, I don't know what it is about being from the Midwest. I think we just like representing where we're coming from. Because I think a lot of people, when I talk to, especially to like uh, Swiss people or people from around the world, Everybody just assumes I'm from New York City. Uh, so I think and then I say I'm from Cleveland. So like, oh, so kind of by New York. I'm like, sure. No. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah no, right, no, no. right there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no. yeah, no, living the dream, guys. No, no complaints whatsoever. No, that's actually, I mean, I, I feel like that's pretty accurate because I know a lot of people from the Midwest and they are very proud of you know, wherever state, whatever state they come from, whether it's Indiana, Ohio. Um, Very proud of your Missouri, sports yeah. teams, too. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Well, I don't know about my sports team. Well, my sports no. teams seem to be, uh, it's, <laughs> it's you, a really But hard... you represent no matter what. That's the thing. I, uh, I think I get my resiliency from my sports team. So I, I can at least give them that. <laughs> I, I, we're very, we're very similar in that way. For sure. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's funny that um, everybody just assumes you're from New York as though most watch people have to be from New York or some big city. Yeah. So yeah, It's very interesting how the industry works in the United States because from outside of the United States, there's basically, especially for Switzerland, how they see it is there's three primary markets. There's New York City, mm-hmm. uh, there's LA, and then really fastly emerging as well. And uh, what I saw firsthand was Miami. Miami is right, a huge you were in Miami market. recently. I was. And I've been finding myself more. I've seen actually a lot of the brands, what they're doing is they're moving a lot mm-hmm. of their corporate offices to Miami, I think partially for the weather, but it probably <laughs> it too sounds is, much better than, uh, than most other places. True. But I think it's also just access to the, all the Latin American countries as well. It just, it is a, really a window into that part of the world. So I think a lot of the watch market has just boomed there. And I went, yeah, I was just recently there with, you know, the whole Kevin O'Leary videos, so the watch shopping in uh, mm-hmm. Miami. And it, it was awesome just being able to go through the design district. Miami design district was where most of we were kind of walking through and going through that. You just, you just see what, wow, this is a, for one, just the watches that were actually in the boutiques themselves. It was a little bit different. So of course there's so many brands there, but you also see how what sells in New York is so different than what sells in LA. And then what sells in LA is very different than what sells in Miami. They all have their own. It's, it's almost like an individual market, like how somebody from like a brand would see selling into Spain versus selling into something in Italy or in uh, you know in China. It's, it's very different how they're how what people are attracted to from the watch point of view, uh, are, you know, are just kind of gravitating towards. Yeah. Was there anything that you noticed in particular? While you were there? Well, I think sports watches. When I was in Miami, um, like so one example I think that came out was when I was in Vacheron. And there was no patrimonies. There was no traditionals. It was just overseas. It was literally like an overseas store, which makes a lot of sense for mm-hmm. the people that are actually going to be walking through there and maybe buying a watch. I think that was kind of the eye-opening moment for me. And also like JLC, like you know, a lot of Polaris's. I mean, they're, I think, skew a little bit more dress watch heavy and I don't really have as many sports watches as, you know, Vacheron would with the overseas now really, I think, taking off quite a bit and fi- people finding appreciation with the uh, Nautilus and the Royal Oak kind of just taking off in terms of price. I think people are starting to realize what's what's there in terms of value. But yeah. you know, across the board, it was just pretty sports watch heavy. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. It's like super humid and hot, hot. So I would assume that like they're not selling a ton of watches on leather. Leather straps yeah. on the beach don't <laughs> seem like a, a real practical combo. Yeah, no, it's all bracelets, all bracelets for sure. Well, that's cool. Well, so how did you get, I mean, where did this all start? How did you get to watch shopping with Kevin O'Leary in Miami? Yeah. I mean, where yeah. where, where did you start? How did you get into watches? What was your first watch? Was this something you were always passionate about? You know, I, it's, it's kind of 
tough to pinpoint because looking back now, like my answers almost change because like when you look back and try to connect the dots, like more things become clear as time yeah. goes on in my perspective. But uh, for me, what really got me into watches was I first started getting into like, like my style and caring about dressing for myself. Like early when I was younger, I mean, I was actually, I always like would struggle with my weight growing up and I mean, I lost like 75 pounds when I was in high school. And a big oh, wow. part of like going through that transition was like kind of like redefining who I was and part of redefining who I was. And, you know, some people could say this is like a superficial point of, of looking at, but, uh, you know, how you dress, how you portray yourself. I mean, it does go a long way because it's all about feeling confident in your own skin. So that was kind of the first step. And then when I was in college, I started getting into more, uh, I don't know, like the history of things. I was a, I'm a very curious person and I just stumbled on watches as like, like I'm like, wait, there's people that are just into this and it's like a hobby. And I just gradually got down that road. At that time, I had like a Timex. I bought a Timex. I had, you know, an Apple Watch too. Uh, so that was like right when the first Apple Watch came out. And then I'm like, eh, I don't really like the Apple Watch. I kind of like these, like these other like like small little Timexes. These are cheap. These are fun. And like three hundred dollars for an, like four hundred dollars for an Apple Watch. It's way too much to have something on your wrist. Little did I know what was going to eventually come. Uh, <laughs> that but, that would be one of the cheaper watches. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I sold that. And I mean, at that time, I was still a broke college college kid. So this was like, you know, what would this be like 2015 or something like that, 2014, 2015. And, you know, then I got my first like actual mechanical watch was an Orient Bambino. And then shortly after that, I was an SKX. And I think that's very similar to many people out there. Mm -hmm. And it, you start looking around and it's like, wait, like there's a whole enthusiast market out there for people that just like this stuff. And I just got really into it, whether it was guys on YouTube, it was getting, you know, you know, you know, people at Hidinki and all this other content out there that I would just absorb on a day-to-day -day basis. And I just started developing my own taste with the budget I had. And then once I graduated school, I just started, you know, gradually building up a collection and it all kind of came together. I've just been kind of following momentum ever since I posted my first video in 2017, when it was late 2017, it was actually my birthday. September 24th, 2017, oh, wow. I remember posting it and it just got 40,000 views organically. And I was like, wow. And looking back at it now, I was actually looking at it today because I, I mentioned one of the watches in an upcoming video that I used to have because I'm working on a, another Orient video and I kind of reference, you know, Orient as being the gateway for me into this hobby. And I could see it as being a gateway for so many other people going forward. But I looked back at that video, I'm like, oh my gosh, like just how... And just a little over two years time, how much has really changed. But after that 40,000 views, I just, just put out another one and then another, mean, one, and another <laughs> one and another one. And so, you know, it, it was, it was great. And, you know, I, it's still so surreal for me that because I, I, what I wanted to do and, and what I think I was able to allow me to grow. And I'm so thankful for it was just being like a, a real guy. I, I think a lot of times in, and I, and I don't want to you know name names. I don't think, I don't think a lot of, there's a lot of good people in this space, but from an outside perspective, looking at watches, sometimes it could just seem so hard to engage with because you you hear about these high price tags. You have a very pretentious, snobby attitude in some points, in some arenas, and in, in some uh, social circles within the hobby. And I, I think that could be a turnoff for a lot of people. So for me, I just wanted to create content as somebody that was still, you know, and actively learning. I think that's the beautiful thing about this is you're just always you realize there's so much more depth to. Uh, this pursuit that is watches. But I wanted to create content that was representative of the content that I wish I kind of had when I was first getting into it and just doing it and, you know, the new kind of millennial, and I, I know I hate that term, but kind of <laughs> point of view. Yeah. Now, did you originally set out to do, you know, watch videos or were you more into fashion at the time? Because I thought I remember seeing that <laughs> there was a little bit of crossover when you first started. Yeah, there's a little bit of crossover, and I think that kind of answers well to uh, what my original entry point was to watches was, mm -hmm. you know, first getting into you know, style and finding out, like, oh, wait, there's this cool accessory element that was a watch that I could wear. It has just so much just layers to it, mm -hmm. and that's kind of why I got caught up into it. But yes, that was, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had no expectation for posting that first video, and actually... It kind of took a lot for me to even post it, because at that time, like, I actually had a YouTube channel back when I was in college, and oh my gosh, it was so cringy, guys. I can't even. I don't even want to talk about it. It was <laughs> Can like we about find like this and have this no, no. So when you go to my YouTube channel, it says I started 
2014. So a lot of people, like when they're trying to assess like my channel, they say, oh, hey, you know, he started, he's been making videos about watches for this amount of years, which is totally not true. I've only been making videos about watches for the past like three years. Uh, maybe it was less than that, actually. And before that, though, I would post all these different types of videos. Like my first stint on YouTube was, and I'm, uh, I'm glad it's a, uh, an erase stint from YouTube and wiped off the face of the earth. Nobody would watch them, thankfully. Uh, were like these mo cringy motivational videos from like a college student saying that you guys can do it. And I, it, I mean, I, I remember listening, I was like listening, to, I was listening to the other day, like listening to like reading through the script of one of like the, it was like a spoken word. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was like so <laughs> face palmy. Like, yeah, I don't think anybody's looking for motivational wisdom from a uh, 20, 21 year old. So I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that was my first thing. And then, you know, I, I, I started doing like, I'm very into sports as well. So I'd make like these, you know, highlight clips. So my first actually, um, momentum with content was actually posting like highlight montages pump up videos for like sports teams and that's okay. how i got into like video like one of them i remember when the Cavs first got to the finals i, I made a video and it got like two hundred thousand views and i'm like oh sweet and i kind of really liked that idea but it, it just wasn't it's something that i wanted to dump all my time in i mean i love sports but it just didn't make any sense uh, so I just, you know, gradually went away from it and just stopped doing it. And then I, I really just fell in love with watches and I got really consumed with watching other people post their collections because there's so much of like, who somebody is, is and their personality. It's portrayed, I think, so perfectly with the watches that they choose to buy. I would agree and, with that. You know, and like, that's what I, I wanted just to create kind of that for myself and almost being in now for what it is, it's almost like a time capsule what YouTube has become like a time capsule for my progression into watches. Looking back at it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've come so long in so many aspects, but as a collector, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so that was, that was kind of the motivation. It didn't happen right away. I didn't go in with any intention other than just sharing something that at the time I was really into and continue to be very into. And thankfully it's just, it's honestly changed my life just posting that one video because I haven't really stopped since, but it was, I, but clearly, if you look at the next few videos after that, you could tell I had no idea what I was doing. I was just posting <laughs> things that I thought were cool, or I thought that, hey, maybe other people would want to watch. A lot of them, no, that was not the case. But it was just kind of sampling out different things and yeah. eventually arrived that, hey, I'm into watches. People seem to like when I talk about them. Let's do it. You know, and then it's just, it's been a great ride. Yeah. And I think. You know, for me, when you started your YouTube channel, I mean, I've been watching pretty much since the beginning. Yeah, you have. But uh, <laughs> you have, you there's, have. there's probably like my <laughs> comments somewhere down deep in, in, in like the first few videos. But kind of going back into your first few videos and then you kind of going into your collection, what was your, your first major purchase? So my first major purchase and I... I like over, I, like just say over a thousand or, you know, over a thousand dollars. Okay, over a thousand dollars. Like and, the first one, you really yeah. had to think about that hurt a bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny how this one kind of hurt a bit, but I bought it so spontaneously. But that's I feel like other people could probably relate to that. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing this, but I really like this in the moment. I've been thinking <laughs> about this it. for a week. I need it. Uh, and that was actually it was the Young Hans Max Bill uh, Chronoscope. That yeah. was that watch. Oh, and, very cool. You know, I bought that watch, and it's kind of funny how. With that watch, so many people I think associate me with that that watch now, mm -hmm. just because nobody else had it. I just purchased it because I thought, wow, they, just the way the numerals look and just how clean they're able to like lay out that vertical, just chronograph register and how so much could be on that dial, but it could still look so minimal. I was just a I don't know what it was. It was it really is beyond kind of words like ineffable, uh, but I, I just bought it and that was like the first one where. It was more than probably, you know, it was over $1,000, like, you know, 15, it was over $1,500. I don't even know how much I paid for it, but I just did it. And from there, it just turns into a downward spiral or an upward spiral, however you want to look at it. But, uh, it's, you know, it depends on if we're talking one. to you or your wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. From whose perspective are we talking to? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's neat that you still, because you still have that one, correct? I still do have it. I That's still do have neat. it. Cause it's just very different than, you know, what, I, anything else I really have. But I mean, naturally after that, I just really fell in love with Nomos. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just kind of seems like that's a natural place to go. And uh, there's something about like just the, the Bauhaus Germanic kind of style that I just gravitated towards early on. And I still have such a strong affinity for it. I mean, yeah. I, I've been like itching at getting like, a Zen again. Like I, I, one of my biggest regrets was like selling that Zen 104. I love that watch. Like 
going away from it, you realize sometimes like where your regrets are and your appreciation is, you know, and that, that was another one, but that, that's kind of where I went next. And it just turned into Omega then now Rolex. And, but it's very interesting too, because with creating content, you get so you get exposure to so many different brands. Like now I've been I've thankfully been able to experience nearly every brand that I, I've wanted to experience or like the brands that I was very interested in. I can say to like some degree that like, you know, I'm, I'm very, I think pr- pretty well versed in a variety of brands now, you know, given the channel, which has been, if you told me at the start, that would have been, that's sweet. I mean, that would have been sweet. I would have got, got enough motivation for me to just do it alone. So uh, it, it's been crazy. And with that, you almost have to find balance. Like if you're creating content around watches, you have to, and what's been a great exercise for me is, is thinking about how can you find appreciation in the early stages? I, I was very bad at this was finding appreciation for watches that aren't to your particular taste that yeah. you can see the intrigue of, but and still talk about them from a point of view where you can see the intrigue. Because I, I realized with my point of view, like if it was up to me, like how, how limiting the amount of brands that I would talk about, it, it would just be simply, Hey, I'd be talking about, you know, if it was early stage. I'd be talking about dress watches all the time, which I probably did more than I probably should have. But, uh, you know, I think with opening that window and you're starting to get understanding of all these different brands, these understanding of different styles, it's really helped me as a collector and also just seeing this, the depth of watches in general. Yeah. Now in the beginning also, so you, you kind of had a style with your videos. You did more of the like top 10 watches under this or, you know, Was that planned? Did you plan to do that many videos like with that sort of styling or did you because now you do lots of interviews and you're doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, singular watch reviews as well. But did you find that that worked early on for you the best? I think it was a mix of both what I could actually talk about and then two, like what people like, because if you look at what is on Google, like think about from a, a buyer point of view, you can say whatever you want about lists. But though I know those videos for a, like a, as a fact, they're so helpful for people that are just getting into this because Absolutely. most people, they don't want to watch like a 20 minute review of one watch. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have that time, like especially if they're not very into watches. And I think that's where I, I've been very successful is just helping people like just have a good jumping off point. The whole point of the list videos were really just to provide some guidance and videos that I wish that I had. Like I had to like sift through a lot of rambly content and like you know just articles and things of that nature and just articles and lists that were totally you could tell they were sponsored like you just tell that like all right you have like all right here's a you know here's a rolex and wait why is there a nixon watch in here like and then why is that you know like it just made no sense whatsoever they were just so random Mm -hmm. so i wanted to be able just to provide and create content that was you know feasible for me at the time uh that also was helpful for other people and it it just seemed that you kind of have to go with what people are watching if if people are enjoying it, then I'm going to keep making them. That's great. And because, I mean, I, I don't, I like making them too. Uh, but now <laughs> it's kind of like I've exhausted so many of the listicles that it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, well, let, let's, let's move away. And like, you know, now I'm doing content that, it, you know, personally I, I like creating more. Yeah. But I think as a content creator, like sometimes you almost, you can't always fall in love with what you think is best. You almost have to, you, you're, you are created by your audience and created by the people that support you, which you have to always be appreciative of. So you almost have to be representative of what they want. Like I see mm-hmm. in my position, like it is a great responsibility to create content that is in alignment, but also what I say in my content is very important. Like the fact that I can say something about a watch and that's going to influence somebody's buying decision. I see that as a lot of responsibility. Like for me to say, Hey, this watch is worth the money. Like to have that claim like that, that, that's a, that's a big responsibility. That's somebody's going to pay their hard earned money to make a decision based on something that I say, which is, you know, it's, it's crazy. It, it's insane that that's, that's now happened for me. Uh, so in terms of content, that's how I think about it. I think about the responsibility for the content itself in terms of how it's positioned, but also the words that I'm saying within it. Absolutely. Um, now, was it last year that you, you basically quit your job, didn't you? And to do yes. YouTube full time. Was that last year? That was last year, correct. That's, that's last year, a yes. big step. That's yeah. a major, major decision. <laughs> yes, it is. It was a big decision. Now and, yeah. what 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 led you to that? Just the the popularity of the YouTube channel, or is this this was definitely obviously a road that 
that you wanted to go down? So, I mean, I've always liked content. I mean, I've, I've always loved content. I've, I've always, I love having the, I think having an avenue for your own self-expression is it, to me, that is just, it's so amazing. And I, I saw that where the channel was at, like last year, and I probably did it prematurely. Let's, let's be real. And, <laughs> and, and you know, like, I, like whenever I saw that glimmer of hope, I mean, thankfully I didn't have, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. Uh, you know, I'm not in a lot of debt. Uh, so it, it, it helped me to be able to just jump into, you know, it, uh, you know, 20, you know, I was 25 at the time. I was like, you know what, let's do it. If I can't do it now, there's going to be no better time to do it. And looking back, it seemed like it was a, you know, it's a, it was a good decision because it helped really allow me to double down on the content and, you know, allow it to grow. I think last year or when I decided to do that, it was very early, it would have been very early 2019. I was starting to think about it late, like December, 2018. I'm like, Hey, should I do this? And you know, I thought about it and then like really early 2019, I'm like, yep, let's do it. We're doing it. And at that time, I think I had about 40,000 subscribers and currently we're, I think we're past 180,000 subscribers. Yeah. yeah so it sounds it, like it's, it was you know, a, good, uh, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, it worked out quite well. And uh, now it's, it's not even just me. I think a lot of people assume like on the, on the channel, like I'm doing everything, but that's not the case or I have, you know, somebody's working full-time with me and then I also have a couple part-time editors and shooters that help as well with the content so uh you know have a little small small team helping me out now and because it, it, it's impossible as, as you continue to you know you travel you, you mm -hmm. go other places you're doing these different things like it becomes impossible at a certain stage to allow the content to keep going like if like right now like if if I travel or if I I get sick, you know, or, or before that, back, take a back, step back. Like if I, before I had other people and I got sick, like the whole, everything stopped, right. like everything stopped. Like it, it just stops with you. So like everyone's just like, whoa, all right, there's no content here, but that kind of helps keep things moving. Uh, and that was probably one of the best things too, is helping somebody, you know, helping me with editing. And I even had that set in place before actually going full time. I actually hired somebody to edit the videos because I was working a full time job. I am recording these videos. I'm, uh, you know, helping kind of script these videos and, and going into shooting them. And then I have to have, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week and then I have to do that. And then if I had to edit a video, I wouldn't be able to get out the content that I wanted in the time I wanted. So I always had to be actively thinking about my time. But yeah, a year ago, you know, it's been over a year since doing this full time. It's been a crazy ride. Could not have imagined that was going to be how quickly I was going to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That that is a crazy story, and I think that you know your dedication to your channel um, and and doing that full time has obviously paid off because you do have so many more subscribers now, um, and you're continuing to grow, um, which is awesome. And and you've landed some pretty impressive interviews as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, one that was very. I want to. I want to know a little bit more about this one. This is very controversial. <laughs> this is last year, right? This is movement, right? Yeah. Ask, yeah. If you say controversial, oh, it has so, to be movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you for that one? So and I, I want to give full context of this story. So I also. <laughs> so I I am not the only person, like I said, is working on this uh, on this channel. I actually have a partner in the channel, which I think might be a surprise to some people. Uh, my good friend Mike, who uh, you know, we both have a background in video production, and he he's you know he's a pretty business savvy guy, and like we always talk about like content ideas. He loves just making content. So chances are, if there's any like slightly controversial video that I've done, <laughs> chances Mike's are fault. it's Mike's fault. So I'm right. gonna absolutely blame We're it on him. We're gonna throw him under the bus. It's <laughs> yes. So he was the one. We were, we were talking like one day, and he, he's just like. It was, I think it was, it may have been right after the Alpha M situation. And at that point, we're just like, oh, this is, you know, that was, that was crazy. I can't believe how that, you know, worked out or how, how that whole thing went down. I mean, I can't believe people found interest in this and how that was like a crazy interview. And yeah. then looking back at that, that was like the first probably controversial one, which he was also responsible for. He reached out to him. And then the, <laughs> uh, and then following that, he's like, hey, we should, we should do, you know what we should do? we should reach out to movement and actually interview them. It's like go to their headquarters and interview them. And we reached out to this, their CEO. So it was uh, Jay Casson. And he said, yeah. And then when, when he said, yeah, I'm just like, wait, wait does he understand? Like, <laughs> like, for we're, real? We're, like, we're not, we're not going to like say movement watches are good. Like he, does he realize that? So I think we had to provide a little bit of clarity and I think after a few emails back and forth, he's like, Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> 
you know what? Why don't you still come? And so we're like, okay, all right, all right. You know what? That's cool. So when we first went out there, there was no, there was no plan of a movement documentary. The movement documentary, it was supposed to just be an interview with different parts. But when we got there, uh, we traveled out there. You know, they did not pay us a dime. It's not an ad. I know people are freaking, they think, oh, is it a paid ad? No, we, we traveled everything, all the expenses we took care of. So we went out there and, and I interviewed them. And I mean, it was crazy because it was very tense. It was a very intense interview. And I could tell that he was even like a little nervous too because he knew that like, you know, I, was, I wasn't holding back. But as we got all the footage together, we got the footage with the designer, we did all these other things, and you know, it was a full day of shooting. We were looking at the footage, we're like, and Mike, there's another, I'm going to blame this on Mike as well. Hey, we should make it, we should make a doc, we should make this like a documentary. We should like, you know, like think of like some, you know, way to kind of piece this together because it's a really interesting piece of content. And we're like, and I was just like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. And once we, as soon as we agreed to doing that, I think we shot, we, so we shot that, we shot the movement video the, the, or the, fir, the interview, I'll say it for now, in probably February of 2019. So about a year ago since we were recording this podcast. And when we did that, uh, you know, we, we basically afterwards just made a decision. All right, hey, you know, let's, try to, let's try to extend this into like this like larger piece of content, which you know, we felt confident we could do. And I think we did. But because we labeled it as a documentary, it just became this big cloud of just work to do over our head. And we just absolutely procrastinated it to no degree. And people just started asking, because I remember I put like a teaser maybe on my story. And then I, a few, then maybe I did it like a, I posted a picture in my Facebook group. And on pretty much every video, like it was so funny because I posted, like I went to Vacheron. I went to Vacheron Constantin in Switzerland. And the top comment of going to one of the largest watchmakers, you know, like the oldest consistent in production watchmakers since 1755, the top comment is, Teddy, when is the movement? When is the movement video coming out? Which I I'm thought sure. was really funny. How like like a high horology uh, piece of content was getting flooded with people asking when the movement video is coming. But we kept putting it off, kept putting it off, and we eventually just sat down. Like you know what? All right, this is this is going to force us to start working on it. So like in June or July, it would have been. We started working on a trailer, and we edited this trailer, and we put out the trailer, and we said it's going to be done in two weeks gonna be done in two weeks and little did we know like how many people were just gonna be so excited about that i got like sixty thousand views in a day i'm like oh boy all right well wow, we can get this done no problem no problem i'm working on all this other content um mike is a mike is a very good editor mike is a very good editor um and he kind of helps me out with some of the like the bigger productions like we kind of work off each other really well and we got to like a few days, you know, like, you know, like I'd say like, like we got like, we could make a week and a half in, in before, before like we're going to have to release it. And we started laying out, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the footage and we have it all pieced together and it, it sat there for another few days. And then it gets to like, you know, maybe 17, 72 hours before it needs to be released. And we clearly were, did not have enough time to piece all this together. <laughs> so we're like, Oh crap. So we put all this, we put up this deadline. We got to do it. We got it. We have to get it done. And then we just basically stayed up for tons of hours. And I think that's why when the video went live, there's like all the, there's like some audio <laughs> issues. And like, cause I, I remember, I remember listening to it on the way in. I'm like, like right before it was like, we exported. I'm like, yeah, it sounds really good. Like, yeah, this looks great. And then I remember I took a nap after it went up. And I was like, wait, wait, this sounds horrible. Wait, the, wait, the light balance, wait, the, the white balance and the, the exposure is completely off from the both camera angles. And, uh, it was just like, oh my goodness. So then I had to make the tough decision to, after getting 50, like 50, 60,000 views and like the first 20 hours to pull it down. And it, it definitely lost a lot of momentum by that. I bet if I kept it up, it would have been well in the hundreds of thousands of views by now, but you know, we took it down, re-uploaded it. Now it's much better, I think. But that was, that was a big learning experience uh, from yeah. that point of view. Like just for one sitting down putting together a piece of content like that. Cause that was at that, at that point, that was definitely the biggest piece of content I ever uh, made on the channel. I think that's probably one of the, in terms of time investment, one of the biggest time investments in all of watch YouTube history mm -hmm. to make one video. That was, that was a ton of work, probably hundreds of hours of work, which I don't think a lot of people consider like how long it actually takes to make even a simple review on my channel. I'd spend, you know, it's 50 to 60 hours of work probably. For, I mean, maybe, maybe 40 for some of the more simple ones, but yeah. it's a, it's a lot of time to get that all together. Uh, so it's a, it's a very involved process, but that, that was, 
the breakdown of movement. And then we sent it over. You know, I, I remember I was waiting for movement to come and sue us. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was waiting for it. But, you know, we, we, we even sent it to them. And, you know, they said, hey, you know, it turned out all right. I, they, they did email us after the trailer and we're like, oh boy, I don't, we're, we're, we're not, we're not happy with the direction this is going. And I, and I was like, well, wait, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with it. I have to stand my ground. I have to yeah. represent it. But, and it got people excited, which I think was the most important thing. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's, there's the whole background of the story is, Hey, they succeeded in a, in an area where I think a lot of the mainstream brands or the mm-hmm. historical traditional brands weren't actively engaging on which is social media retargeting ads and that's why they were able to grow they were the it was the perfect storm and jake executed so you have to give props to him even though i think their product is just as bad if not worse than i did (laughs) uh before going there so but yeah i I appreciate them actually doing it though because there's other uh fashion brands that didn't do it well and like i i personally i think you did an excellent job i don't think that it was totally negative i mean uh there was more like well this is just the way it is right, and it's not it's it's not can, great yeah. but this is the way it is um yeah. but you know what if if they push the bigger brands to to work harder on social media and and, and the like then I, I i think it's great so yeah. um they should keep everybody on their toes i mean they're they're doing something right at, at the end of the day but uh no that was it was actually really good the the whole production was very well in that video well and your your bit at the very end i think it <laughs> I, I think it was smart. It yeah. was, you know, it yeah. levels. At the end of the day, I feel like it's very easy because we are, we're watch enthusiasts. It's very easy to judge a company like Movement, but Movement isn't coming after us. Despite all the Instagram ads that I got after watching your <laughs> video, I was like, oh my yeah. God, I cannot, if Movement pops up on my phone one more time, I'm deleting my Instagram. But it's made for, it's made for the, the same people who would go after a, a Michael Kors watch or something like that. And I feel like, People took it too seriously, uh, and mm-hmm. people take them too seriously. And I thought you did very well, kind of explaining that at the end. But that was it was a fun video to watch, um, and I I love that you're doing a lot more of like the kind of fun. I mean, your style has always been very laid back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are we also blaming the rap video on on, on Mike? <laughs> no, actually, that was, that was a you? that was pretty joint. Actually, I <laughs> I I love hip hop, and I wanted because. You know, I, for me, I mean, I come from a musical background. Like my, my dad's like literally a composer. Um, so when I was like thinking about, all right, what I, this has been in the works. This has just been like I've been, you know, cooking, marinating this idea for a while. Like, how could I somehow create a song about watches in any way? And it turned into this rap song. And I mean, I, I, I like, I mean, I, I like, like actually rapping. Like when I was growing up, I would literally rap with my friends. Like that would, that would be something fun I would do, um, like for freestyling and just like, just, it would just be goofy things you would do at parties. But I was like thinking, all right, how can, how can we do this in tasteful way? Cause this could be really cringy and not hit like both of these videos, the movement video and that I, I don't, they're just absolutely probably no upside to doing this, but I did it anyway. Uh, I guess because I just was curious and wanted to have fun because I think at the end of the day, if you're not having fun doing this, I think we have, need to have more people that are going to have fun talking about watches. I think it becomes too much of a serious issue mm-hmm, in many yeah. situations. So uh, that that was more of me. I just, I wrote a song. I found, you know, I got, I got a beat, you know, purchased a beat, found, you know, started, you know, working on, you know, did the melody. I'm like, all right, let's record it. And I know somebody in town that could just do a little basic, you know, we just did a little bit. Ba- it was a basic mix. I didn't want to master produce this thing. I didn't expect <laughs> it to go crazy, but uh, then I made a music video for it and I just put it out and it seemed like people dug it and totally pe- caught people off guard. Yeah. Uh, I remember I gave a little sample on, uh, on Facebook, on the Facebook group. And I think people were, I think they were probably right. And, you know, if they probably thought it was going to be the ultimate, like the worst thing ever. Uh, which, you know, given my other content, I could see why that'd be the case. And I'm a, you know, I'm a suburban white boy that, so I, I don't think there was a lot of hope for me in terms of, uh, being a rapper and there still isn't, uh, I, that doesn't, doesn't need to get SoundCloud confused, account. but <laughs> <laughs> no SoundCloud accounts, no, none of that, right. but you know, just, just put, and just put it out. And, uh, I think it, I think it hit the way I wanted to hit, which was be incredibly self-deprecating <laughs> and kind of express something that I think a lot of watch enthusiasts, can uh, you know it can resonate with a lot of them just with the fact that you have so many watches you want to buy and 
typically you don't have enough money to buy them. Amen. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I think that's the story of all of our lives as watch enthusiasts. Well, I think we, we've all secretly had those thoughts. Like if I could just sell this, yeah, then I could yeah. buy this. That Grand yeah. Seiko that was posted today that I texted you, I literally was like, how many kidneys do I need? <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, the kidneys should be the first thing to go. Then right. you think about the house. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't, the house might be a hard sell. But, I mean, I could bicycle to work, right? It's 30 miles one way. It's fine. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, no, it was great. And I think I think you hit the nail on it on the head is that so many people take this hobby so seriously. And, and it's just fun to see somebody just be laid back and casual. And I love making fun of myself. And so yeah. like it, it's yeah. it's a relief almost because it is it's very nerve wracking doing kind of the stuff that we do. And you've obviously been doing it for a much longer period of time. But it's still like, I feel like making fun of myself keeps other people from doing it or it just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's fun to pick on yourself and to, to do something that people don't expect. And it was, it was really entertaining for sure. Yeah. And I, I just, from my perspective, I don't want people to think that I am like very full of myself, which I'm not. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm a full of myself, like conceited guy. I, I like to think that I'm pretty down to earth and easy to talk to, easy to engage on. And, even in this world of luxury goods, like I think it's important to have that perspective sometimes to just not take yourself too seriously. Because if you are, I, I think that's how you get, you get out of touch because it, it, the more you get into this community, the more you forget what it's like to not be in this community. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to not take myself too, too seriously has been a very great thing for me and the balance of my life. And I think that's why maybe certain people, especially if they're just getting into this, uh, gravitate towards me a little bit more just because I don't think I, I try to come off that way. Uh, and, and I think it also helps with, uh, it does beat people to the punch sometimes for that, that uh, rap video, especially if I can make fun <laughs> of myself uh, before anybody else could uh, do it. But some people th- still thought that was dead serious. Anyway, and they think I'm going to be a rapper, but who, who you know, whatever. That's the internet. <laughs> that was the start and end of your rap career. Teddy B is gone. Oh, who man. knows? Maybe there'll be a follow up. You know, enough. But, but we'll see. But I mean, that video—it's funny because like a video of like me reviewing just a wash got more views. So I think that that's all I needed to know. But what what it did do, <laughs> what it did do though, is I think it showed a certain side of me that like, oh, all right. So this was a part of who Teddy is that maybe I don't see when he's just clicking record and he's putting together these other videos, which what I try to do is cut out all the filler and just get right to the point. As you can see, probably in the earliest videos that I posted, it was just all about brevity, putting as much content in the most dense way possible uh, in the shortest time frame possible in, in a video. And yeah. I think that was, you know, sometimes you, you almost lose a little bit of your own personality when doing that. But I, I find for we're talking about watches, that's what people want. They always want to hear about the watches. But I think gradually, as I'm, you know, been doing it longer, it's it's fun to interject parts of who I am with this other pieces of content. Yeah, absolutely. And now that you're, you know, fine tuning your content, are you are you going in more of a direction that you you're in right now, where you're doing more interviews, or do you still want to do more of the watch reviews? Um, where where's your channel heading right now? I think the interviews, watch reviews, a lot more hands on reviews. Um, I, I think that's probably going to be the future more for me. I think that's, that's, I think I've seen my course for a lot of the old content. And the great thing about with YouTube in general is the content lives forever. Like just because I posted a video in 2018, I'm sure there's somebody today that's watching it right now mm-hmm. that is just first getting that impression of me. Uh, so that's their entry door into me. Like there's like that video I did, like watches of world leaders and like that had like 2 million views. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. That thing has just been going in the background as I've been posting all these other videos. So you have you have to almost think about it like that. Like, like, all right, what have you really made a lot of videos of currently? And then what you know, what are you really into now? And what are what is resonating currently with your current ability to execute on? So I would say the interviews and also the reviews would probably be more what to come in the future and it, it seems that people you know like them a lot uh, i think my review format's working pretty well i like to cover a lot of different watches and that's always interesting and then also doing the interviews as an independent is very intriguing because there's like no corporate bs it's just like straight like to the point like i can just like when i was talking with Reynald eshelman the ceo of omega 
I feel like I could just ask him, you know, questions that I think an enthusiast would want to ask, like mm-hmm. unfiltered. Like I literally went on the Facebook group and asked, Hey guys, what do you want me to ask him? Like I always do that before, like with Kevin O'Leary, Hey, hey guys, any questions you want me to ask him? And I always try to interject some of my own, you know, those questions along with my own in those. So I, w- I would say those two would be probably the primary videos I'm going to post, but I'm going to do different things. You can never know what to expect with me. You might see a rap video there. You might see, <laughs> video, you know, <laughs> I think I have a pretty diverse pool of content. Yeah. Uh, compared to most people, even on YouTube. For sure. Most Absolutely. Definitely. What has been your favorite interview that you've done so far? I won't ask Lee's favorite because uh, that cause problems, but what's been your favorite? Favorite? Yeah. You know, um, I d- really did like doing the watch shopping with Kevin O'Leary. Like, I mean, I, I don't bet. know if you call that an interview. I think that's kind of an interview, but yeah. that was just so much fun but from I think all different levels. that's what makes it fun is it, it's more like hanging out with a friend, you know, versus yeah, like a exactly. formal sit down interview. Yeah, no, it was, and also just living vicariously with, through somebody that's like that wealthy. For it's sure. great. It, it was great. It was fun. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 Kevin, Kevin, oh, you got to yeah, check out this overseas. I think you'll really like this. And like, he like actually, he's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna buy it. He just bought twenty thousand, you know, twenty thousand dollar watch, uh, right on the spot, which was insane. And then like, like it's kind of cool too because you know, I've got to know him a lot better after doing these you know, like these three videos now with him. And uh, you know, he texted me. He got a he got a nineteen twenty one too. So he he's 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 absolutely infected with the watch bug, and I, and I love it. So it, it's been that that was just a lot of a lot of fun on all fronts. Is being in Miami, getting to go into these different boutiques, getting to you know just live vicariously through Kevin. That was like the triple whammy there. Yeah, and you've done several, you know, videos where you've traveled as well. Are you you've got more plans to travel this year? Yeah, you know, not, I, pro- I, not probably right now, but yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's I mean, I was actually <laughs> I was actually planning on going to like uh, Watches and Wonders, which the, now is like, oh, all right, well, I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have anything else planned currently. Uh, I might do another watch shopping episode, so I, that's not yet confirmed. But I'm you know, working on some things right now. But currently, no, I'm not. I've, which is kind of personally like a relief because I, I traveled a lot last year I, was, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was all over the place like and, and and things that maybe were not even seen on camera like i was traveling outside of just the content itself but yeah nothing really planned right now but you know probably go back to switzerland at some point but once all the uh hysteria around the coronavirus and hopefully it subsides very soon it's been crazy how this is kind of dragged along and how, how this has actually affected the industry like you know with basil sure. and watches and wonders i mean it's it's crazy to see how now that that could really debilitate a lot of the industry as a whole like like i was so surprised to hear you know if when you when you think about all right, what's the biggest watch market in the world you know that you maybe think of like a ton of different places you might think of the united states you might think of you know places in europe but hong kong you know is the largest seller of watches in the world of any region which i blew when i first heard that Probably you know, a, little, you know, a couple of years ago, I was just like, wow, that's crazy to think about. So you can only imagine how a lot of these brands are scrambling now with their shows gone too, like, how this strategy in terms of letting people know about their models, but also selling their models is being completely flipped upside down. Yeah. Yeah. That and production issues that you're yeah. going to run into, I'm sure, because you have the issues yeah. with exporting out of China. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. That's yeah. true as well. Yeah, I've That's gotten well. several emails this week from um, lots of micro brands that are saying that they're having to cut production right now and mm-hmm. kind of shut shut things down due due to the factory shutting down. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, I I hope that we uh, it all settles down soon. But this is I mean today we we know it was announced that Basel World is is no longer going to happen this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, it'll be tough for them too. I think Watches and Wonders I think is in a better spot just given the the attendees mm-hmm. uh, being very, you know, high end brands that I think those are going to be the ones that are going to be slowly adapting to more digital uh, ideas in terms of both selling and also these trade shows. But for a place like Basel, where there's a lot of these brands that are, for lack of a better term, entry level, you can almost argue that, you know, what is, how is Basel having any stranglehold on what they are at this point? Like how, how can that even continue to exist? Yeah. Especially after losing this and how many people have pulled out. You saw Grand Seiko pull out, you saw Casio pull out, you saw all these other, these brands pull out in the, in the last, in Swatch Group, of course, not being there as well again. It's, it's tough for them. I, I can mm-hmm. imagine this, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, they say they're going to postpone it to 2021, but I don't, I mean, I can imagine how much all their, the, the, all the revenue is covered. It's getting attached to this one period of mm-hmm. the year. Yeah, how that's going to just totally shift everything that they're going to do. 
and perhaps going forward and we may have seen the end of it and it'll be interesting to see now with the day today being the announcement of it how this all kind of unfolds well for sure and you wonder how so if they if they're postponing this year's basel to january of 2021 what about 2021's basel <laughs> yeah. it makes no yeah. sense to just debut <laughs> yeah. old stuff in january and then your new stuff again in april yeah um it yeah. definitely doesn't make sense but i do i genuinely feel like maybe something like this would encourage more brands to embrace social media mm-hmm. um you know if there is any kind of upside if brands are smart they would definitely embrace more social media for sure mm-hmm. especially because you're not going to have all of these pieces going out to you know Hodinki and Fratello and a blog to watch and all of the big the big media you know they won't have as much access to it so but we'll see for sure it's also interesting too last year I mean I didn't go to Basel but I felt like I covered Basel and it, it, I didn't even need to really be there yeah uh, to do it and it seemed like nobody else really cared either yeah I mean because I've handled a lot of watches like once you're familiar with the brand at the end of the day I mean there, there's certain elements of a watch where there's you of course need to see it in person, but you can get a very good idea about what something is mm-hmm. just through like really good press photos and a, a, a good amount of information uh, to at least have some type of like response to it. Uh, of course, if you're going to do a full in-depth review, I think that requires a little bit more hands-on experience, of course. But that goes to show that I think a lot of this, and you look at other industries as well. I mean, even with like tech and you know like video games or something like that, where it's very geared around like a one show experience, but how those different types of programs have been able to adapt an online presence or an online kind of flow to it. it, it you could just see how a lot of these just shows are just so far behind with that. And I think just the industry as a whole is so far behind with that. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I feel like, you know, after this year, I, I, I see a lot of brands saying, why are we even at Basel? I mean, yeah, we're doing fine. Sure. I think they're going to, if they do it the right way, I think they may say, uh, you know, those that are left there may, may not be there next year. So we'll, we'll see, but, um, it's interesting and, um, it's kind of exciting. I mean, we're all, you know, it's like the talk of the town, I guess. It's the big scandal. Yeah. <laughs> the right big scandal. Yeah. It's the gossip. It's the gossip. It's the only gossip we ever have, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. We, yeah, we have a little more gossip lately, but I mean, yeah. You know, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I think it probably both well for people like myself, just because I think it just allows me to have even more say. With it's like these shows now become more obsolete. But um, you know, we'll see. I think I think brands still don't know how to interact with you know podcasts, yeah. things like this. Mm-hmm. That like, I think Hidinki's done a really good job with like they first were seen as like a publication, like you know, in a magazine, like an online magazine. So it was very easy for the brands to adapt to that. But like, what's the next? What's the next step with like thinking about? Because there's other people with like really good reach that can rival, you know, what some of these long-term publications have been around doing this for, you know, say, ten plus years. But how they're going to be able to approach that conversation in comparison to what the safe conversation is, which is, you know, online you know, safe publications. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a whole. It's not, kind of it's still. It's still the wild, wild west mm-hmm. for this space. Unlike so many other uh, types of material goods, or just so many types of just market segments out there for consumers. Yeah, and a part of me feels that you know just the watch scene in general is always just like a little bit behind. A lot behind. A lot behind. <laughs> well, she says a lot behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like for, for the consumers, as far as Basel World goes, I think nothing really changes. We're, I think people yeah, are sure. still going to get the information. They're still going to get those watch releases. Um, I think on the press side of things, that is where it's it's going to hit hard. But yeah, like you said, there, I mean, heck, there's like Instagrammers out there that have millions of followers and are out there like selling watches from photos um, who yeah. needs to, who needs to read a, an article from Houdinki or blog to watch when you see a couple pictures and you're like, I want that watch. Everybody starts the movement form of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. There you I go. Mean, it's, it's, it's out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and when talking to some of these brands, I realized like, oh my goodness, like it, it's even worse than I thought with like their approach to social media, like, and what they think is like embracing social media mm. or embracing online commerce it's it's very very slow to adapt but in their defense like a lot of these companies are older than the yeah. country that we're living in like yeah. of course they're going to be slow to adapt the only thing that's on their side is brand and heritage mm-hmm. they have to preserve that at all costs because that's what they appeal to 
they're not appealing to anything that's state of the art anymore. This is all romantic that they're selling on. So they have to do everything they possibly can uh, to not take the risks that are going to potentially backfire and cause their brand to almost cannibalize itself with uh, maybe getting in the wrong channels too early or associating with the wrong individuals. In their defense, I get it. And also oh, yeah. like, in terms of like how they've developed these relationships with either these old publications or how they've sold through you know, authorized dealer networks that are you know, now a century old, you know, to just turn that off and expect every, them to be okay with it or, or and you're, for you to be able to still get the same results that you were getting, that's, that's tough. That's a lot of change to take on at once and a lot of people to piss off. So I get it too. Absolutely. All right. So, so what's next for you, Teddy? What do you guys, or do you, you and Mike, I guess, um, are the masterminds behind the channel, but do you guys have anything planned this year? Anything big? Yeah, we're going to be updating the website, which, uh, you know, I'm excited about. It'll be another place for content. So there's going to be more content. Uh, I'm going to update the commerce offering as well, which uh, I'm also very excited about. And uh, that, that's the big initiative for this year. Following that, I mean, I want to just continue to do more of the interviews, big pieces of content. And just for me, I, I just want to continue just to be an independent, be able to say what I want and say how I want it. And that's really the goal for this year is just to continue to do that. But no, I'm excited. I, I think the website's going to be great. I'm very excited about that. And then just continuing to kind of follow the momentum of the end of last year going into this year. I, was, I dropped a lot of, I think, very good, consistent videos. I think I'm on a good flow right now of figuring yeah. out what my channel is, how people are responding to it, what they want to continue to see, and uh, excited for what 2020 brings in the new decade. Absolutely. Now, is your is your website still up at the moment? Because I know you were you had some straps for a little while. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what's what's up currently hasn't been touched for for probably twelve months, basically almost twelve months. I have not touched my website. Uh, it just kind of has lived. It's it's you know serving what it's serving. It's great, uh, but it's it's been basically a six to eight month redesign process and development process to get what is coming next done. Okay. Uh, so it's just been a big undertaking. So that's been behind the scenes, like what's been really shaking loose for me outside of all these videos and content. That's what's been kind of drawing me away uh, for certain moments. But yes, the, the website is currently, it's still up. It's just going to see a nice little needed refresh. Yeah. Well, that's great. Very exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, we forgot to do a wristwatch check. Oh, yeah. We're terrible at that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it. We, can, well, we can do it at the end. Yeah, we'll yeah. Do it you, can, you can edit it in post. You can edit it in post. Oh no, that's, that's too much work. Yeah, we'll just, that's we'll Teddy. Just that's too much work. Like, we're also at that position of working full time jobs and doing all this. Yeah. So we like to keep this as as easy as possible. <laughs> I get it. I get it completely. <laughs> um. So what are you wearing today then? So I'm actually. So it's. I'm kind of pathetic. I'm holding one watch and I'm wearing another watch. I am. We I, I was because I was working. I was working on a video, so I'm working on an Orient review right now, the Kamasu. So I'm, I'm kind of splitting time with that and my Rolex Explorer 2 as I'm writing, as I was writing this video uh, prior to jumping on uh, the podcast here. So that's what I have. I have two, two, two uh, watches here on a Friday. Awesome. Way too cool then. How about you guys? How about you guys? What are we wearing? I have the uh, Oris Aquas, the uh, mint dial, the 39.5 millimeter with a great nice. bezel. I love it too much. This is the pro <laughs> so I don't when you are sent watches in for review, how do you manage to not fall in love with them and want to buy all of them? It's actually that has been such a great thing for my own personal collection because it almost causes so much uh, restraint to be able to like not fall in love with these watches or just you know come to grips with the fact you can't own them all. And I found that doing that actually has made me a better and more uh, controlled collector because I was a little bit too spontaneous early on with just buying whatever was uh, tickling my fancy at the moment. But now I think I've been a little bit more reserved. And like last year, I only purchased, I think, one watch. I just bought this Rolex Explorer 2, which that is crazy for a guy that has a watch channel. Like I think if you would have told me that in 2017, that yeah, in 2019, you'd purchase one watch. I'd be like, what? Like that's crazy. So I think that has helped quite a bit, you know, having to send them back 
it hurts. No question. It hurts to do it sometimes. My heart is so heavy right now. I know this is my last couple of days with them. So it It hurts. hurts. I'm not at the point. I don't have your restraint yet. I'm trying. I'm trying so just hard. Keep, just keep if you keep breaking your heart, you become pretty callous. So just keep yeah, doing just it, keep and I promise, it. just keep doing it. It'll get easier. Awesome. As as Catelyn's heart turns cold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now great, I don't even want. I, yeah. I want to watch podcasts, but I don't even want to look at watches anymore. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Cat? Um, I'm wearing my my new to me uh, Grand Seiko, the SBGM two two one. That is nice. super popular right now on Instagram. Everywhere, every every, every time I open up Instagram. It's like it's it's there, which is it's not a bad thing because this watch is is just completely beautiful and awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm just like totally smitten with this thing, which is weird because I never like have like I've had an affection towards dress watches like dress watches. I like them. But this is like this is love. But it's on a NATO. I mean, oh, I do have it on the NATO. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I feel like it, it's one of those watches that you can you can do on a NATO. It's yeah. a dress watch that's more versatile. It's really it's really nice. Um, oh, and something else I was going to ask you, Teddy, where we're kind of like on the subject was: yeah. is there anything that's come come into your channel that you have been completely surprised by as far as watches go? That's a good question. Um, like what really? Hmm. Well, the one that was of late, and I think you guys are also like, like like this brand. One would be like Manta. I was really impressed with what they're delivering from like a say a micro brand or independent boutique mm-hmm. brand perspective. That was a nice surprise. Uh, you know, the, some 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 watches like surprising me. Like I like watches more like in person than others. Like uh, you know, one another one recently was like the uh, Breitling um, Premier B zero one Chronograph. Like that that watch was awesome i was very surprised like breitling has been a brand that i've always respected but mm-hmm. perhaps like was never drawn to to like actually purchase uh I know it's, i'm trying to go to else i mean grand seiko too like as i'm getting more pieces i actually have another piece right now that i'm reviewing um as uh coming up it's the uh sbga 413 and uh really just all, all the dials and how much fun you can have with shooting those things is yeah. incredible. Like it, it's, I've grown even more appreciation for Grand Seiko. I think there's still definitely still areas to improve, but in terms of what you're getting from hand, the hand craftsmanship, it, it's really unrivaled for the price point. And, uh, and I think it's just incredible stuff. So it's been a lot. It's a, it's a lot of different things that really surprised me. And then also, I think last year people asked me like, is there? Like it was another podcast I was doing. Like, is there a brand that you totally shifted your either grown appreciation for or change your appreciation for? Uh, last year was definitely Vacheron. I just going to their manufacturer, and I, and I found like whenever you kind of get really into the brand's inner circle, you start to have a different perspective on who they are because you just see the enthusiasm a lot of people have for you know, what they're doing uh, for like, you know keeping going the heritage, but Vacheron was on another level and just going and seeing their archive, seeing the watch that they've created. And, and I think being a brand that I think is relatively slept on in terms of what is hyped or what is seen in pop culture, absolutely uh, loved what they did. So I, I think that answers quite a few different brands, but I think all different types of perspectives yeah. uh, and kind of what feelings that they were providing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, as we say goodbye here, um, Teddy, do you want to tell our audience where they can find you? So it's very easy for me. Everything is my name, Teddy Baldassar, T-E-D-D-Y-B-A-L-D-A-S-S-A-R-R-E. So good luck. I mean, if you need to play that back, you can, you can go ahead. That's the beauty of I like how online you said it podcasts. You can go back. Spelt your last name. It's not easy. Yeah, so, yeah, it's very easy. Once you uh, just type Teddy B A L Teddy Bald, and I'll probably come up no matter we'll, where you're searching. We'll, we'll make it easy. We'll, 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 we'll put, put it in the show, show notes. notes. I appreciate that, guys, because I know my last name with eleven letters can be difficult. So, uh, but thank you so much, guys. And also, yeah. just keep up the good work. I, it's it's cool to see you guys growing as well. And uh, I think you know, whenever I could be of help, I always appreciate it. And I think in general, I like to kind of keep this idea going that I think there should be more collaboration and watches. I don't think it should be so siloed. We're a small community 
I think we're stronger when we work together. So Absolutely. we'll leave it at that. Nice. Cheers to cheers to that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Much yeah. appreciated. Of course. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Um, Catelyn, do you want to take us out here? Oh, yeah. Um, make sure you head over to our website, www.tenandtwo.com, for all of the show notes. We'll have links to all of uh, Teddy's information, the videos that we talked about, and everything else. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ten and Two Media. And on YouTube if you want to listen to our podcast on YouTube <laughs> instead of on your podcast player of choice then head over there and that is all alright well we'll talk to you guys later alright thanks bye Teddy see ya bye bye